You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live, Duluth Edition. I am Father Richard Kunst along with... Kevin Pilon. We are coming to you, like I said, from the Diocese of Duluth. We are at Stella Mars Academy, St. James location, St. James Campus. And uh, that was a good uh, call-in segment that we just had there. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was, yeah, it was fun to hear from people from uh, around the country a little yeah, bit. exactly. That was kind of cool. So anyhow, we, we're moving on. And uh, um, uh, we have Scott Pionk here who is going to talk to us. Well, first off, I'm going to ask... Well. He's going to talk to us about catechizing young men in the faith. But first, Scott, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, it's good to be back at St. James. Um, we sent... Uh, you, could, you could come here more often, you know. <laughs> well, I will, because you're here. Yeah, yeah, That's what I was going for. I'm yeah. glad you picked up on that. Thanks, Scott. Um, our, four of our boys went to school here, and um, it was really great because we... Uh, um, we lived in Hermantown, and we had a lot of people ask us, why don't you just send the kids to school in Hermantown? And we said, no, we want to form them in their faith. And so um, we took the drive to St. James every day for several years, yeah. and it was it's great to be back, and the place looks great. Yeah, yeah, lots, lots of things around here that are different from the time you were here. But so, so anyhow, the reason why you're here, because, so, okay, so at the beginning of the school year, in fact, we did it a little bit last year too, but we're really into it this year, where my parish here of St. James, where we are, where we are at, is joining in with St. Lawrence, which is the parish that you're in, in regards to catechetical programs, uh, religious ed, so to mm-hmm. speak. And, and so as we've been uh, doing all these uh, um, uh, Wednesday night religion classes together, uh, I've been really enjoying observing your uh, teaching of the young men. And uh, uh, um, it struck me that you you are very good with them. And I've, I've been able to observe that that they kind of, even if they don't always are totally listening and it doesn't seem like they are, they really are to you. And from my assessment, I, and this is what I want to get in the weeds on a little bit, is that you have a very strong, masculine, manly presence about yourself. And I think that that is what draws young men into the faith. Because so often, in my opinion, so often it's women that are more into the you know, church stuff. You know, And so to see a man, uh, you know, a... a, a, a a, a man not afraid of his masculinity to be very active in the faith and love the Catholic faith. I think that I think that's going to draw like moths to the flame. And well, that's my, that's my observation with you. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I know some of the guys, some of the kids, because of uh, Hermantown schools. They're friends of my kids um, through hockey, that type of thing, and so there's a connection there. Um, and I think that I know their parents, some of them, and I, I think uh, a lot of what we're doing, we're teaching on Wednesdays, is things their parents want to teach them that want to go deeper. So that's what we do. And um, I think it really helps, too, that I'm on the backside of raising our kids mm-hmm. because it, um, you look at it and say to yourself, honestly, sometimes I wish I'd have been more uh, gone deeper with some of these things with my own kids. Right. So I want to give that to um, the members of the parishes, and I really enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so where you where you have your small group, it's very easy for me to see because all the all the guys are they yeah. are paying attention to what you're yeah. saying, you know. So it's like, and maybe it is that hockey. I mean, maybe you can speak a little bit to the listeners that haven't heard you before a little bit about your hockey background because I think that's probably where a lot of the guys are drawn to it too. Is they see you as the hockey guy, you know, in Duluth. Yeah, maybe to a degree, and I think part of it is a, a coaching and teaching background too. I've coached hockey for I think this is forty years now. Yeah. And um, 
I was actually educated to be a teacher. I was going to be a fire teacher and a coach, and so I went through that routine over at Wisconsin Superior. And one of the things I'm big on is eye contact. As you observed, if the kids are looking at their shoes or looking at the ceiling, I'd stop and say, no, you have to look at me or you're not listening to me. That's and we great. do that in the locker rooms with the hockey kids, too, yeah. because you love 20, 25 guys in a, in a hockey locker room, and three or four of them are taping their stick, they're tying their skates, they're not listening when they're doing that. Mm-hmm. So I'm big on the eye contact thing. And when we do that, we know that we're getting the message through. And uh, But really, the guys we have a good group this year because i've had it before where we've had oh maybe eight or ten kids in my group and four or five six of them show up on a weekly basis this year i think we've got 11 and there's been like between nine and 11 there every night so it's a great group yeah that's really helpful when you just talk about just being there and showing up Uh, that's a big part of it because you can't help anybody who's not there present with you well exactly and and one of the things i remember from when i uh attended catechism classes at St. Rose School um, was we had a fellow by the name of Maurice Heward who was a neighbor of ours who uh, I like to bring his name up because he was kind of an inspiration for me and I actually told him that one time before he died. <laughs> um, he lived very near us. He drove us to catechism some nights and he uh, I thought he was a great teacher, a uh, great role model. But then he would also quiz us on the way home. Uh, <laughs> my, so sister and I, my sister and I talked about this one time. And we'd sit there and kind of slink down in his seat and say, he's not going to ask me, is he? But he was a, a good Catholic man, a good teacher. Um, and uh, I just thought that there were nights in those classes uh, that I remembered that, boy, had I not been here that night, I wouldn't have heard that. Yeah. The whole debate back and forth between Mr. Heward and the, and the class and just the Catholic teaching. And I try to tell the kids that, you know, if you decide not to come here one night to go to another hockey practice or another basketball practice, whatever it is, you could miss a life-changing event that night. And so I try to also, if I know somebody's missing, is do a little review each week and say, you know, we did this last week and you weren't here, yeah. you know, because it's that important. The challenge is that a lot of these kids are... The, par- the children of their parents, right? And it's like, if the parents are not putting a strong emphasis on faith, a lot of these kids might be going there because, well, I want to just get confirmed and check off the box. I don't really want to be here. I mean, do you find yourself struggling or in this wrestling match with non-practicing Catholic parents in regards to what they are, how they're influencing their kids versus how you can influence their kids and how the kids are open or not open to it because yeah. of that? little bit. I, I, we do a little intro sec, introduction to, to each other session at the start of the year, so I have some idea what, what I'm dealing with or where they're coming from. And I just I ask them if the, both their parents are Catholic and if they attend regularly, what church they go to, etc. So I get some feel for if they're there just to get the sacrament or if their parents are sending them there because they want more. Um, but then it, there's a little bit of a slippery slope with all this because we try to go into uh, the life they should live living the Ten Commandments, et cetera, and talking about not overdoing it with drinking, gambling, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, but I always catch myself and I tell them, now, listen, if your dad's gambling on a football game this weekend, I'm not telling you yeah, your yeah, dad's right, doing a bad thing. Right, right, as right. long as he's not gambling a mortgage on a football game, yeah, you're yeah. okay. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting for the day when one of the kids comes back to me and says, hey, my dad says you're out of line, you're overdoing it. Probably coming someday. Yeah, yeah. yeah it could. And, you know, that's... Uh, that kind of comes with the territory, right? You said you've been you've been teaching catechesis for some time now. What um, what would you say is different about your approach and the the church's approach to catechesis now that you're a part of versus how you had it as a kid forty years ago? How old are you, if you don't mind my asking? Just turned fifty nine. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This happy, month. Happy belated. Thank you. <laughs> 
I'm younger than Tim. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> everybody's under, younger than Tim. That's Tim Aldrich, by the way. We yeah. got to give him a plug. Yeah, well, he he sets all this equipment up for us. So yeah, he's great. Great at what he does. Yeah. Known him a long time. Anyways, uh, I think that the teaching obviously is is similar. It's timeless. The teachings of the church from when I was um, growing up. But the one thing I try to get across to the kids is a lot of it to me might go over their heads compared to what they really want to get out of it. And I try to go right to, okay, this is what the church is teaching you, but now when you walk out of here tomorrow and go into school, you're on the school bus, you're on the playground, you're in the locker room, everything that we're teaching you is going to be kind of conflicted. It's going to be the dead opposite. These are some tools to fight that. Um, These are some habits to avoid. Um, if you want to go from a boy to a man, and that's kind of one of the biggest things that I try to get across to him, you know, as you start at their age, you think you're a man because you're swearing. You think you're a man because you're chewing tobacco. You think you're a man because you took your first drink of beer, et cetera, et cetera. You're just extending your boyhood, you know, and when you truly become a man, uh, hopefully a man of God, those things have to go away, and all your habits have got to get, get buried. And I try to tell them longer term, you know, you're going to have a wife someday, not too far a distant future, and she's going to look at you and say, you know, there's kids running around the house. You can stop swearing and take the tobacco out of your mouth and maybe get the beer out of the refrigerator. Right. So don't get too deep into these habits. And well, As you say that, one of my all-time favorite quotes comes from a very secular place. It was uh, Mark Twain who said, the two most important days of your life is the day that you were born and the day you realize why you were born. Yeah. And, and I think there's so much truth to that. And if you can get that to these kids you know, on a, on a manly, masculine level, because that's what they want to be. That's where they want, I mean, the normal kids want to be that way. They want to be, the normal guys want to be the masculine guys. And and I remember Bishop Schnur, you know, he was our bishop two bishops ago. He's now in Cincinnati. I was his vocation director. And he would always say, Rich, guys are going to be, or Father Rich, guys, guys are going to be attracted to the priesthood when they see young, happy, masculine priests. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and doesn't have to be young necessarily, but I mean, uh, I think that's just a draw because that guys, that's in essence what they are. That's what they're becoming. And so to want to become what, to want to strive to what you are born to be, I don't know. I just think you exhibit that. And I don't even, I'm not even putting it in a question I'm tr- necessarily. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're all, we're all making an effort at it, but, but you do a great job. And that's why I called you on to the, to the show because I think that you're really effective with these kids. Well, it's, you know, again, I think the thing that's uh, enjoyable to watch is I try to preface them with some of the things they're walking into and uh, the things they might struggle with um, and just tell them you don't have to be that guy, you know, that you know it's wrong. Some of these things that the guys are doing um, outside of, you know, in the real world, so to speak, your everyday life, you don't have to do it. Just be yourself, find good friends, that type of thing. And life becomes a lot easier because, again, one of the things I try to get across to them is if you take a look at... uh, your future here. And I employ some of these guys in the summer. I've got a small landscape company and I'll have a handful of, uh, say, uh, 17 to 22, three-year-olds every summer. And I try to tell all of them, you know, if you lose your license, um, uh, end up in jail or prison, um, are part of a teen pregnancy, you are behind the eight ball your whole life. It's hard. If you avoid those things, I always ask them this question, what's the most important thing you have to do between now and you're 25? And they tell me, get an education, build a resume. And I tell them, no, you have to stay out of trouble. Exactly. If you avoid that, it's good country. Yeah. Pretty clear sailing. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're, talk- we're talking to Scott Pionk about uh, religious education of young men and how to catechize them to want to be Catholics and solid Catholics. And we'll continue this conversation immediately after this short break. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live 
where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Yeah, I've been listening to Catholic Radio, <clears throat> starting out in Seattle, uh, Sacred Heart Radio. Had a had a long commute, and you know, searching through the stations, kind of came up upon Catholic Radio, and you know, people were asking a lot of questions that I had, and I was able to kind of passively listen to all the different responses and ponder those, and kind of carry on a conversation <laughs> with the radio in my car, and and then proceed to look things up further as I as I learned about it. So so I have a lot of favorites, um, did a lot for me in my life and continues to um, really like Catholic Answers and all the uh, different themed hours they have where people can call in and ask virtually anything, um, like Crest in the Afternoon, getting that uh, Catholic perspective um, on, the, on the news for the day and all that's going on. Um, you know, and I, I could go on and on, uh, like all the programs. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kunz along with Kevin Pilon. We're coming to you from like the greatest diocese ever, the Diocese of Duluth. I'm saying that because I'm a bit, bit biased, but uh, Diocese of Duluth, and we are coming to you from the campus of Stella Mara St. James Academy. St. Stella Maris Academy, St. James Campus. And we're talking to Scott Pionk about the educating of young men in regards to the faith. So, Scott, you lead a group of uh, what age or what grade are the guys that uh, are in your small group that you're teaching this year? 10th and 11th grade. 10th and 11th graders. So the, the 11th graders are preparing for the Sacrament of Confirmation. 10th mm-hmm. graders have another year yet. Yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit about um, your style of teaching. What uh, what do you try to make the, the weeks look like for them? How do you try to keep them engaged and um, impart what you've received in the Catholic faith to this next generation? I think one of the things we do every week is we ask them what's going on in their life, in their school, their day-to-day life. Good things, bad things, and they've always got their topics they bring up. Um, But I do try uh, real intentionally to take the news of the day, so to speak, and bring it to them and say, these are really important issues that you guys have to be aware of. You can't just brush these off. Um, One of the things we touched on in the break and we touch on a lot in classes is what's going on, for instance, in Minneapolis right now, what's going on in Chicago, all the major cities in the United States right now. Um, Guys their age that are fighting to stay alive every day. 
that uh, know no better than to buy and sell drugs, buy and sell guns to stay alive. And uh, a lot of that, they need to know why. You know, why is this going on? And a lot of it has to do with no one is telling these young men that this is wrong. I mean, they've literally got a gang leader that's telling them, no, this is what you're going to need to do to stay alive. This is how you make your money. If anyone tries to take your money, here's your gun. And go steal a car so you can get away and all these types of things. And those are real things uh, for people in our country um, that they don't have to be a part of, but they should be aware of um, how severe the problem is and not brush it off and realize that uh, it's not that far away from here. Really, we do have some of the issues right here in Duluth. Um, but that you do need a mentor, you need a father, you need a parent, a father, and a mother to tell you, no, this is right and that's wrong. And the church teachings can lead you right there. So you try to make sure that the things that are going on in the world around us right now today are being reconnected with what you guys are talking about uh, that week in in our Catholic faith. Sure. And I mean, I try to go as deep as I can with it because... You know, we've got right now, we're in a situation uh, in society that cohabitation has basically become pretty normal, as you guys probably know. And we bring the subject up to these guys, and they'll look, they're young, they're 16, 17, and they kind of shrug their shoulders, but they've got older brothers and sisters, so they know where I'm coming from. But one of the questions I ask them is, you know, why do you think that that's okay for maybe someone in your family or your school because I've had it posed to me, it's okay for us. We're educated. We're going to get married anyways. We both got good jobs. What's the difference? And my point back to them is, you know, there may be somebody, there is somebody um, who has less than you. They're not educated. They don't have good jobs. They are in love. They decide to cohabitate and somebody's pregnant. And then somebody looks at it, the dad, and says, I'm not interested in this. Goodbye. Happens every day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's why we're at where we're at in our inner cities right now. Because mom is trying to raise the kids by themselves. They don't know any better. And they've got a gun in their hand and they're 16. Um, and I don't think uh, the rest of the United States can just brush that off and say that's not our problem because it is. Well, not only that. I mean, st I mean, there's countless studies out there that show that the, the divorce rate of cohabitating couples is way up from those that didn't yeah. cohabitate. And the problem is, of course... People that come in for marriage prep now, they're almost all cohabiting. It's like, what a refreshing thing when somebody's not cohabiting as a yeah. couple. You know? And these are kids that you're teaching that are going to be right, they're right up at that age level where they're going to be, you know, that's going to be their world in the next coming days what, what, or I, years. One of the things I try to tell them is you have to think a little bit deeper in that. Go, go back to all the problems, societal problems we have right now. Understand why they're happening because these kids are unparented. And your point to live with your future spouse is that we're going to save a thousand dollars a rent we're going to save eight hundred dollars a rent whatever it is for the next year it's not worth it no. if you do the math it's not worth it to our society no. and that's a big picture thing but they need to start to think in those terms so okay so i mean we we do have a, a broad listening audience and i suspect that there's truly people out there right now that are listening that do what you do that help out with religious ed you know and and you know it's one of the most frustrating things from my standpoint just me personally it's like to go and teach a bunch of kids that don't want to be there and uh you know so i teach rci tonight tuesday night it's wonderful because they love it they all they're yeah. eating it up then wednesday night the next night i teach basically the same stuff to people that don't want to be there and it's really hard for me to do that. So what, what kind of advice would you give people that might be listening that's like, well, I do catechesis, I help out with our religious ed program, and I can't get success with it. What, what's your, if you had like one or two takeaways telling people, how do you get these kids to listen to you? What would, you, what would your advice be? 
Well, I think just to try to um, open their eyes to what's going on in the world around them, because their world is their phone. <laughs> it's fun. You know, what they're doing in their phone is all, they're all fun things, communicating with their friends, and they have fun in school, they have fun in their sports, and their kids. Life's supposed to be fun. But as you move forward and it's coming real fast, um, life gets difficult. It gets harder. You've got some really big, important choices to make. And I would tell any uh, religious ed educators that you've got a chance to open their eyes to where they're going, to where they're walking into. Don't be afraid of it. Because to me, again, it's enjoyable to tell them, you know, you, you guys are having a great time in life right now. But the next, let's say, 10 years are going to change your life completely, for better or for worse. And if you can help impact that, that's really a neat thing. And I've had, I haven't done catechism as long as hockey, but you know, over the course of time, there have been a lot of athletes that have come up to myself and all the guys that I've coached with along the way and said, you know what, you told me something when I was 17, never forgot it. And that's really neat to hear. Uh, and I know it'll happen with catechism too. The kids oh, at some point are going to come up and say, hey, you, and, and I would say that with uh, Morris Heward, uh, don't want to forget Norm Olmey, the guys that taught us in catechism. You know, they, they opened our eyes to some serious things when we were 14, 15 years old that someone had to do. Mm -hmm. Allow me to uh, talk about that with you for just a moment. You mentioned you know, being a hockey coach for such a long time. Um, up here, there's a, you know, there's a real draw. I don't think that um, uh, kids, for the most part, that you're teaching are being pulled to buy a gun or buy and sell drugs and live on the streets. I think their big pull is to have hockey or basketball or soccer or lacrosse be their religion. If we have a jamboree on Sunday, we're doing the jamboree. And we'll go to mass next week. Yeah. If we have a peewee tournament, we're doing the tournament. We're skipping mass. How has raising sons in hockey and being Catholic uh, affected you in that approach? Well, we actually had a good time with it. My wife, Karen, and I took that as a, as a challenge because it was basically we told the kids all the way along, this is a great time for you, wherever we were at, from Toronto to Minneapolis to Chicago, wherever we were at. You are fortunate and blessed to be doing this. You figure out we're going to church Sunday morning. I don't care what time the game is. If it's at 8 or 10, we're going to go some other time Saturday night. We'll figure that out. And we always did. And the neat thing was we often had a couple other parents or players say, oh, you guys are going to church? And we filled the pew up. <laughs> yeah. So that was neat. And I still do it. Had the great uh, fortune the last, uh, last fall to coach hockey with uh, Grant Clafton from Grand Rapids, um, who asked me to help him and told me along the way that he was just getting married and his wife insisted that you are going to be Catholic if we're going to get married. And he was actually getting confirmed at the same time as my son Aaron, who was on the team. And so Grant and I went to Mass together with Aaron a time or two and shared that. And I tell the guys, the kids, you have to be open about your faith and just go and say, this is what we do. And my wife, Karen, and I have always done it. This is what we do. We're not ashamed of it. We're happy with it. We're proud of it. It's a huge part of our life. And you know what? Nobody looks down on you. They just sometimes they come with you. We go to mass together. Um, you just have to make it happen. You have and to own it. You have you to just... own it. Yeah, it's part of the experience for us to go to the cathedral in St. Paul. To go, um, you know, my uh, uh, heritage is Polish, and I've been to a Polish mass in Winnipeg, one in Toronto by choice. Just wanted to do it. Say I did it. Didn't understand a word that was going on there, but <laughs> it was interesting for me to do.
It's the example. You know, it's the giving the example thing. You know, I mean, it's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, but nobody has any record of him saying the idea is, you know, you always preach a gospel and sometimes you use words. It's a little chintzy. It was kind of cool when that first came out. But there is a real truth to that. And that if, you know, if you're going to be the coach and, you know, faith is important, I'm going to put this as a priority and my kids are going to see this and my team's going to see this. I think that goes a long ways, that, yeah. that example. Yeah, I can give you a funny story about that, too. Um, my friend Pete Stauber yeah. uh, was taking his son Levi to his first weekend in this uh, fall elite hockey league that we, that we uh, the kids play in pre-high school every fall. And he called me on the way down to the first their first weekend because it's a, it's a two-game Saturday, one-game Sunday morning every weekend for eight weekends. He said, Scott, you went through this with all your kids. He said, I want you to tell Levi what is the most important thing he's going to do this weekend because there are literally hundreds of scouts watching every weekend, college scouts, professional scouts, junior scouts. He gave Levi the phone. He says, tell him what's the most important thing you're going to do this weekend. I said, Levi, what time are you going to church Sunday? <laughs> he said, what are you talking about? Yeah. I said, Levi, you've got to be who you were the way you were raised, first and foremost. You've got to be who you are. The rest of it is all going to take care of itself. And I said, so your dad's got the, the hockey schedules laid out for you. You know what time you're playing Sunday morning. Open your phone up, find a mass Sunday morning, and it's all going to work out just fine. And that's the answer Pete wanted you to give, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> that's the one he got. I would like to think that that's the answer Pete wanted you 100% to give. 100% was the answer he wanted. <laughs> yeah. He trusted Scott completely. He, he didn't tell me to say that, but that's yeah. what I said. And, and But Pete and I were in agreement, so it was good. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it is. It's, it, goes, it goes back to the original part of this conversation, is that, that Christ is the answer to all human longing and all human questions and all, all human an, uh, questions he's the reason and like the chaos in the world is because Christ is taken out of it and if you can illustrate to these young men that Christ has to be a part of their life to make that life of theirs not chaotic then you've succeeded yeah and you know one of the buzzwords that I, I kind of asked him every now and then I said think about it when you think about everything you've been taught about Jesus love and peace are probably the two top words that would come to mind and avoiding violence, that type of thing, and, and conflict. So when you look at what's going on in the inner cities right now, you shot me, I'm going to shoot you, you shot my friend, I'm going to shoot you. How is it working out for them? Mm -hmm. They're doing the exact opposite of what Jesus would do, and it is not, and it will never work. Mm -hmm. mm. One final question for you. We're almost out of time here. Um, what keeps you coming back week after week? What inspires you about the boys that you're helping to teach in the faith? It, it, for me right now, it's almost become a situation where in the summer I miss it. You know, you go through, uh, you go to Mass on Sunday and go through your, your busy week. And uh, it's almost like it fills a void in the middle of the week between Sundays. It really does for me. And um, the kids, I think, more than anything, because the, the nights when there are four or five of them there, there's half of them apps. And I always thank them for coming, the ones that do come. Um, but uh, the, when they're there... I think, you know, I've got something to tell them, something to get across. And they're going to hear it, and um, their eyes are going to get wider, and they're going to look and say, you know, I never really thought of it that way. It's what I'm trying to do is challenge your mind a little bit to think beyond their phone, so to speak. And just the fact that they're listening in and uh, gaining something from it, really enjoyable. Well, thanks, Scott. Keep keep doing it. You know, I mean, uh, it's you're having a great impact on people, and, and they might you might not know it until years later, like you already said, but you are definitely having an impact. So I want to thank you for your... Um, uh, your continued example to these young men. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll um, uh, be right back after this short break to talk to Teresa Tamio. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 